Welcome to Your Path to Real Wealth, where we explore how to cultivate real wealth, which is so much more than money. It's the sum quality of our values, relationships, health, sense of purpose, time, charitable giving, legacy, and more. Your path to real wealth begins now. Welcome to Your Path to Real Wealth. This is Jeff Brimhall, and I'm here with my co-host, Benjamin Cummings. How are you doing, Benjamin? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Great. Today, we're super excited to talk with you about a service that we provide to our clients that brings us a lot of satisfaction and helps them have a more meaningful and fulfilling life. And that topic is how to give to charity in a tax-efficient way. Benjamin, would you like to introduce the topic for us? You bet. You know, this is, like you said, Jeff, this is a topic that we really find a lot of satisfaction in helping our clients give as effectively as they can. It's a lot of fun to be able to help clients think about and strategize about how to give in the most effective way and who should be receiving those charitable dollars that they're wanting to give. So maybe to set the stage for us today, I think it's helpful to look at Giving USA does an annual report uh, on giving within our country. And so it might be helpful to, to think a little bit about how we are at giving. Uh, most recently, they report that we're giving nearly $500 billion a year to charity. So you know, their last report, $485 billion to charity. Most of that, about two-thirds of that comes from individuals. Uh, and then the rest comes from foundations or bequests, which is yet another form of individuals, but uh, you know, upon their death. And then a small portion comes from corporations. And so really the vast majority of giving in our country comes from individuals and they're giving, we as a country give a lot to charity. And so we love the fact that we get to help clients give as efficiently as they can. Yeah. And as I said in the beginning, I think one of the greatest benefits of giving to charity is that it just helps your life be more fulfilling, more meaningful. And I read a book uh, called Who Really Cares by Arthur Brooks. And there's some great quotes out of that book. I just wanted to share a couple uh, here as we think about the benefits of charitable giving. One of the quotes says, happiness, health, and income coexist in a self-reinforcing cycle with charity. Happy, healthy, successful, opportunity-oriented people are most likely to give and to volunteer. At the same time, charitable people are more likely than uncharitable people to be happy, healthy, and financially prosperous. I think that was a pretty powerful quote. He, done a lot, he did a lot of research both on giving at the individual level and for our country as a whole. As Benjamin mentioned, uh, the United States is a very uh, charitable country and gives to organizations and people all over the world. And uh, his research indicated that that's one of the reasons why uh, the United States has been prosperous. And he also, his research showed that that's true for individuals as well. Another quote was, charitable giving is extremely pleasurable. It not only gives people the power to help others, but also makes their lives meaningful. And then one of our uh, favorite authors, Benjamin's quoted him multiple times in the past, but Ralph Waldo Emerson said, it is one of the most beautiful compensations of this life that no man can sincerely try to help another without helping himself. Serve and thou shalt be served. And the last quote I wanted to share is just about um, the power of helping our whole society in charitable giving. And it says, private giving is essential to the protection of our free society and the exercise of our democratic values. And in the book, he talks about why that's the case, but I think that's pretty powerful knowing that if we give and help those around us, 
It helps us maintain a free society and our democratic values. So there's so many benefits to charitable giving. Um, we could do a whole show just on that. Today, we're going to talk about some of the tax benefits, who to give to, strategies of how to give, and ways to do it in, in very efficiently. But we want to you know, begin with those benefits so that we know why we do it and you know how we can help. And you know, one of the other points he makes is that when parents are charitable, their kids become charitable because they see their parents doing it. And so if we can be good examples to our kids and help them do the same, then we can carry on this idea of being charitable uh, for many generations to come. I love that. I love that. Thank you, Jeff. That's a great way to set the tone for our meeting today because we do want to give as efficiently as we can simply so that we can make the best benefit and impact that we want. But it's good to remember the why. Why is it that we give? And that's really what makes us excited is when we're helping clients realize these benefits that come to them from giving from giving. And so let's dive into a little bit of those tax benefits. As you mentioned, Jeff, that's one of the things we wanted to, to touch on. And there are some tax benefits. And so that's why I want to mention that. So the most common that people are aware of is the income tax deduction. If you itemize your deductions. Now, since the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act raised the standard deduction, uh, itemizing deductions are less common, but it's still an option. And so for our clients that give to charity, that's one of the things that we look at. We look at their, we like to look at their taxes to see where are they uh, on that uh, itemization and does it make sense for them to continue itemizing? Uh, and if we're giving to charity, that's one of the things that we look at. So Keep in mind that those income tax deductions are subject to limits, it does depend on the asset, whether you're giving cash or other securities, and it depends on who you're giving to. And we can talk more about that a little bit later. But income tax deductions is a, a big tax benefit. Another is the avoidance of capital gains tax. So if you have appreciated assets, uh, then avoiding that capital gains tax is another benefit that you don't have to pay taxes. Charities don't pay taxes. And so if you give appreciated assets to a charity, then when they sell those assets, you don't have, they don't have to pay taxes on that. And the last of the tax benefits that we'd highlight is that uh, for taxable estates, you can decrease the size of the estate by giving to charity. You have an unlimited charitable deduction, whether you give during life and then it's not part of your estate or you give at your death as part of your estate reduces the size of your taxable estate. And so therefore you can reduce your estate taxes as well. So the nice thing about giving to charity, you can reduce both your income and your estate taxes. Uh, and that's really a, a great thing. So whether you give during life or at death, giving to charity can help you reduce those taxes. Yeah, it is nice that the government, the IRS has decided that giving is a benefit to our society and that they give us this, these uh, enticements, if you will, or these tax benefits uh, for choosing to give uh, because they see that it benefits society. And as you think about being efficient in the way you give, you know, there's either the benefit of you get to keep more money because you pay less in taxes and give, or it can allow you to give even more to charity than you would have otherwise given because of the tax benefits. So different ways to think about that efficiency that comes from paying less in taxes uh, by giving. So thanks for going over those, Benjamin. So we're going to yeah. talk about different entities to whom you can give and how that affects the strategies that you might use. So obviously, any of us can give money to a family member or a friend or somebody in need, whether we see them on the corner or we um, know them in our neighborhood and we know they're having uh, difficulties or challenges. Unfortunately, the IRS doesn't recognize that kind of a gift 
um, for income tax purposes as a deductible charitable contribution, uh, but we can still do it. And the benefits that we talked about uh, of helping your life be more meaningful, you know, sometimes are even greater when we know the person personally and we're close to them as opposed to sending money off to people that we don't know. So there's a lot of benefits there, just not a lot of tax benefits by giving directly to individuals or families that uh, we know or that live close to us. We can also give directly to charities and 501c3 is a designation that the U.S. government gives to charities that specifies that they are able to receive gifts and that they do not have to pay taxes on those gifts that they receive or on any capital gains, et cetera. And so uh, we can give directly to charities. We can also give to foundations, which are set up by families or businesses to, you know, as a way to support a cause or multiple causes. And they may not be a charity themselves, but they may accept money from donors and then use those monies to support charities. And so they they do the work of maybe finding the charities, allocating to them and making sure that they're delivering on their promise. And then the final entity that we wanted to highlight is called a donor advised fund. Most donor advised funds are categorized as charities. And so from the U.S. government's perspective, they are charities, but they're different. And we'll talk about some of those differences right now, but it's another way to give and it helps separate when the gift is given and the tax benefit. And so you can get the tax benefit at one point in time and give the gift, uh, give ultimately give to the end charity at a later point in time. And I think Benjamin will talk a little bit about that now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good to remember too, we had a previous episode where we talked about donor advised funds. Uh, we had Dan Blake from University Impact on, and he talked about their use of the donor advised funds and what that looks like. And so that'd be another episode that'd be a great one to check out. But kind of as a reminder of what is a donor advised fund, often called a DAF, D-A-F by its acronym, is that it's a fund that you as the donor get to direct how those dollars are directed to charity as long as it meets the you know the guidance and the recommendations that that we previously outlined basically if it's a public charity a 501c3 charity in the United States uh, then you can give from that DAF, but there are other ways to give. And I think Dan Blake's interview on the other episode highlighted some great ways that you can use DAFs in other creative ways. But kind of even, is it a, they even allow it to be given internationally too, I believe, on the episode as we talked about. So not just in the US, right, Benjamin? Yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah. And the way that they structure it is uh, you can also use the investments within the DAF in creative ways, whereas other DAFs may be more restrictive on how you can invest. So yeah, great, great point. Um and even I, we should mention too that even those public charities, like you have to be recognized in the U.S. to give to them, but they may have international efforts. You know, I think Red Cross is a great example where they're a U.S. charity or they have a U.S. charity arm that we can give to, but that they have international reach. And so, yes, good reminder that there are ways that we can have an impact internationally, even through these charities, and that we can support them through DAF. So one of the things that I really like about DAFs is that it allows you to separate the timing of your contributions from when you actually give to the charity. And so when you contribute to a DAF is when you get the tax deduction from it, but you could decide that you want to give to a charity or grant from your DAF at a different time. Could be the next year, could be the same year, could be years down the road. And so the DAF is nice if you're saying, hey, I'm at a a point in my life financially where I would benefit from giving to charity, but I don't know who I want to have be the recipient quite yet, then a DAF can be a great option for that because it allows the separation of the timing between the contributions and the grants. 
Uh, so it's nice because in a way it can serve as like a charitable uh, checking account where you can make grants to charities to be able to support their objectives. You can donate uh, cash or appreciated assets. And so we'll talk more about what to give in a little bit later. But it's nice because, for example, if you have some appreciated assets that you're wanting to give, uh, but maybe the charity you want to support isn't able to receive those assets, then a DAF can be a helpful intermediary to help take care of uh, accepting those donations, helping convert them into cash and selling those assets, and then giving the funds to the charity that you want to support. And so that that's very nice. They can be helpful on the donation side. The other thing is that it's nice with the DAF is that you can involve others in, in these efforts. Uh, you can you know, for example, if you and your spouse can are both charitably inclined, you can use this fund to make decisions either on your own or together. I know a lot of individuals you involve their kids and they get their kids involved, and you know they may have a, a process involved that they've just decided as a family on how to uh, involve those kids and making recommendations of the charities that they should support. So you can you can really use a DAF as a way to decide how you give uh, to charity. So. Anyways, love the idea of DAFs, and it's a great tool that we like to like to promote. And it may be worth mentioning that in the meantime, between when you give the gift to the DAF and when you grant, uh, make the grant to the charity, you can invest those funds, and they can continue to grow in the meantime. So that's a nice benefit of that as well. Yeah, great point. DAF versus foundation, we'll talk a little bit about later, but um, that's something to consider as you are deciding, like you know, your family's charitable giving uh, program. A lot of families consider setting up a foundation, but you can maybe do a lot of those same things just by granting money to a donor advised fund and using that as your vehicle to give in the future. So now I want to focus on what do we give? Most people give cash, whether they go to their church and give a cash donation or write a check or whatever it may be. Uh, but cash is the least efficient way from a tax perspective to give. You do get a tax deduction for it, if, you, as Benjamin said, if you itemize your deductions. And we'll talk later about some giving limits, and you have the highest limit in giving cash, but um, you don't really save on any taxes with, as you might with these other strategies in a sense of avoiding paying tax on capital gains or other things. So cash is great. Giving is great. Do it. And if that's the only vehicle you have, uh, only tool that you have or thing that you are able to give at the time, then give cash. But as you set up your investment strategies going forward, as you have different life events, then some of these other things we'll talk about are more tax efficient ways to give. So uh, I think the next one we'll talk about is appreciated assets. Yeah. So I think it's a great reminder, Jeff, that cash is a great gift if that's what you have. But if you have appreciated assets, that can be more effective. The benefit of giving appreciated assets is that any unrealized capital gains you don't have to pay taxes on. And so, you know, as you think about the tax ramifications of these appreciated assets, meaning that their current value, the fair market value is higher than the cost or the cost basis of the asset. Then when you give it to charity, they don't have to pay taxes on those capital gains when they sell them. So these appreciated assets could be stocks. That's probably the most common. Stocks are other publicly traded securities, mutual funds, ETFs, uh, those sorts of things. So those, as they appreciate, you can give those either to charity or through these other vehicles that we've talked about. 
uh, and then you can avoid the capital gains on those. An important thing to remember uh, is that these they need to be held long term, at least a year, in order to be able to deduct the fair market value rather than the cost basis. And so we want to be mindful of as you're looking at your investments, making sure that they're the long term appreciated assets. They've been held at least a year, and then those are the ones you can give. So yeah, appreciated assets could be stock, real estate, privately held businesses. And Jeff, I think you were going to talk a little bit more about privately held businesses and real estate, what that would look like. Yeah, that's one of our favorite strategies because the tax impact is so powerful. Often when somebody starts a business or has owned a business for a long time, they have a very low tax basis and the business has generally gone up in value and they want to sell it to capture that value. Either they're getting ready to retire or looking to do something else, transition out, whatever it may be. But anytime, if you own a business or if you own a piece of property and you're looking to sell and you're charitably inclined, that is a great time to think about how can I limit the taxes I'm going to pay on this transaction? And if I'm going to give anyway, then let's try to combine that with the transaction of selling the business or selling the real estate. And so what happens is generally you have to work with a donor advised fund to make this happen because most charities can't accept a portion of a business or a portion of real estate, but donor advised funds can. And so if I'm getting ready to sell a business it's gone up and down. I started it from scratch. So I don't, I, my tax base is a zero. Maybe it's worth $10 million or $20 million or a hundred or $200 million, whatever it's worth. I can choose to give a portion of my business before I sell it. And so maybe I give 10% or 20% of my business before I sell it. And we often talk to clients about, you know, using this opportunity to set aside money, not only for your charitable donations for the year in which you sell the business or real estate, but also for future years and maybe prepay some future charitable giving you want to do or set aside money to grant make grants in the future. But you can coordinate with a donor advised fund, give a portion of the business, 20% of the business, 10% of the business. And then when you go to sell it, you don't pay tax on that portion that you've already given, nor does the charity. And so you save the capital gains tax that you would have paid on the portion that you've donated. Similarly with the real estate, if I give 10% of a real estate property, I sell it, I wouldn't pay tax on that portion of the appreciation. And then I get a turnaround and deduct the gift from my income and it can go against ordinary income. So if I avoid paying capital gains tax, which can be depending on the state that you're in, you know, 23% federal plus whatever state tax it is, you know, it can be upwards of 28 to 30% of capital gains tax. And then I can take the deduction against my ordinary income tax, which may be you know, 37% federal plus state. You start to add this up and you can have a tax savings of 70% or more on the gift. And so if I gift a million dollars worth of my business, then I'm saving 700,000 in taxes, something like that. It's a very efficient way to do it. And uh, then I set aside money that I can choose when to give. I don't have to give the money to charity right away. I give it to a donor advised fund. I can continue to invest it over time. And then I can make grants in future years uh, to charities as I find charities that I want to support. So anytime you have a private business you're going to sell or a piece of real estate you're going to sell and you're charitably inclined, think to yourself, uh, Let's combine this with the charitable gift and let's save on taxes and make the gift at the same time. And that's a very tax efficient way to do that. And you can work with your advisor or a donor advised fund to help set that all up. There are some rules about how soon before you sell that you have to actually give the gift. And so you need to make sure you follow all of those rules, but it's a very powerful tool. 
That's a great reminder. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, great, great coverage of that. I think that also highlights another of the benefits of the donor advice fund. The benefit of that separation of the timing is that when you're selling a business and getting ready to sell a business, your focus is often very much on the business. And that's why uh, a donor advice fund can be helpful because then you can donate a portion of that business. You can recognize the tax benefits when they're going to be the greatest to you. But also it's at the time when you often don't have as much time to dedicate towards philanthropic objectives because you're focusing on the business and that transition, that successful transition. So then the donor advice fund can house those donate, donated assets until you're ready to actually make the gifts in the future once the business has calmed down and you finish that transition. So another great reminder of why a donor advice fund can be helpful in separating that timing of the contributions from the actual granting. So another approach of how to give is that we help our clients with is called uh, qualified charitable distributions or QCDs. So a qualified charitable distribution is coming straight from a retirement account like an IRA. So as a reminder of on, on IRAs is that you get a tax deduction when you put money into it. And so when money comes out of it is when you have to pay taxes. The nice thing is that once you're 70 and a half, so you have to be uh, older, but once you're 70 and a half, then you can give directly from your IRA to a charity through a qualified charitable distribution. And then you don't have to pay taxes on that at all. So in that sense, you got the income tax deduction from putting the money into your retirement account, like your IRA. And then if you give it straight to charity on the back end, you don't ever have to pay taxes on those dollars. So it's a great benefit. Uh, can be really helpful, especially if you have required minimum distributions on your IRA that maybe you don't need, uh, then giving straight to charity can be a way for you to fulfill your RMD without having to pay taxes on it because you're giving it straight to charity. So it's nice that you can give a QCD starting at age 70 and a half, even though RMDs now don't start until 73 because of the Secure 2.0 Act. Uh, even earlier, you can start giving uh, directly to charity with the, the QCDs. So it's nice because you don't have to pay taxes on that distribution. The other thing is that you don't have to itemize your deductions. You get that deduction. It, it's not taxed. You don't have to report it on your taxes. And so the benefit there is you don't even have to itemize in order to get that tax benefit. So the important thing to remember there is that you will get a 1099-R. And so you want to make sure that that 1099-R is going to show that you had a distribution from your account, like your IRA, and that you want to properly let your accountant know, or if you're doing your own taxes, making sure that you account for the fact for the portion of that distribution that was a QCD. So make sure that you report that properly because your 1099-R isn't going to break out your QCD. It'd certainly be nice if it did, but uh, it doesn't. And so you need to make sure that you're accounting for that properly. Um, maybe just the idea within these QCDs, a couple of approaches that that might work is one, you could write checks directly from your IRA uh, and have those distributions go straight from your IRA. It's kind of, it's literally like a checkbook. And as long as you've got cash set aside in your account, you can write checks directly to charities and then they can cash the checks just like they would any others. Uh, and that you can make those uh, contributions or those grants yourself directly to the charity. The other approach that we use is that we work with our clients on sending checks on their behalf. And so we work with them to set up that arrangement with our custodian uh, and that they can just let us know, hey, I want these charities to get these checks and then we can process that for them. Important thing just to remember that if you are using QCDs to fulfill your RMD and you're writing checks to the charities, you have to make sure that those checks clear before the end of the year because the money has to come out of your account 
before December 31 in order to count towards your RMD. And so you want to make sure that as you're writing checks throughout the year that, you know, come November, December, that you're mindful of the charities and how quickly they are likely to cash those checks just so that they can actually uh, be removed from your account before the end of the year. But yeah, QCDs are a great way to, to give to charity. Yeah, very powerful and lots of great content there, Benjamin. And if that, if everything Benjamin told you about QCDs hurts your head, then just know that if you have an advisor, if you're, you know, need an advisor like us, that we take care of all of that for you. You don't have to worry about it. We just make sure it happens. We we want you to be aware that it exists and it's a great way to save on taxes, even if you're taking the standard deduction. And we're going to briefly touch here on some strategies and tools uh, that go along with this charitable giving. One of those is deduction bunching. And so as Benjamin mentioned earlier, the standard deduction is so high now that for many people, if you've paid your house off and you don't have interest, you know, depending on your, you know, your state taxes are now limited to what you can deduct, et cetera, you may not have enough. Uh, even if you include your gifts to charity, it may not be more than what your standard deduction is. And so you may not get a tax benefit for your charitable gifts because it's less than just taking the standard deduction. When that's the case for clients and when it's close, then what we try to help them with is to time their charitable gifts so that they can add up to an amount greater than their standard deduction and they can get a benefit from giving them. So what this might look like, and often we'll use a donor advised fund to help with the timing here so that they can still make grants when they want to, but get the tax benefit in the year that they need to for this strategy. So it may look like I take two years worth of charitable gifts that I plan to give and I give them all in one year. And maybe I put them all in a donor advised fund. And then I grant that money over time. The next year I take the standard deduction. And then the year after that, I do it again where I do two years worth, or you can do three years at a time, whatever it makes sense. But the idea is if the standard deduction is around 26,000, we would want our itemized deductions to be significantly greater than that to benefit from that in the year that we bunch together all the deductions and then take the standard deduction when it makes sense. So that's a way to time your charitable giving so that you do end up getting a tax benefit for it. If, um, you know, if normally you wouldn't exceed the standard deduction limit. That's great. Thank you, Jeff. You know, another reminder is that you can combine some of these strategies that we've been discussing. So for example, for some of our clients, we may think, look at their tax situation and say, oh, deduction bunching makes sense. Why don't we give two years worth of gifts in one year so that we can take advantage of increasing that income tax deduction? But then we'll also look at their appreciated securities in their taxable account and say, hey, let's give these securities instead of giving cash, let's give these securities to charity two years worth of charities that you want to support. And then the cash that you normally would have been giving, you can use to replenish your taxable account. So we try and again, combine these strategies as best as we can for our clients. <laughs> like Jeff said, if it gives you a headache, that's what we're here for is we love geeking out over these sorts of things and being able to help. It gives us a lot of satisfaction helping our clients give as efficiently as we can. There are some other uh, charitable vehicles that you can consider using that, that are kind of indirect ways of giving to charity. So one is a charitable trust. Uh, so it could be a charitable remainder trust or a charitable lead trust. Those are the two most common approaches. Uh, we're not going to dive into those details here, but you know, if your situation is such that you're thinking uh, that there'd be some value in a trust and either giving the income from that trust to charity or giving the remainder uh, at the end to you know the end of the life of the trust to charity, uh, then that's something certainly that's worth exploring. 
Another vehicle that is worth considering is what's called a charitable gift annuity, also a CGA, charitable gift annuity. So what that is, is it's a way to give to charity. And in exchange, the charity gives you a guaranteed income for life. And so a lot of individuals like the idea of having guaranteed income for life. You know, we, we never know how long we're going to live. And so planning to have enough assets and income for the rest of our life can be challenging. And so one way to do that is, is through an annuity. But what turns people off from annuities it can be is that the concern that, well, if, what if I die young and then the annuity company, the insurance company ends up with the the excess proceeds that I would have been paying. So that, that's why a lot of individuals may struggle with the idea of an annuity. So a charitable gift annuity is a way to have that guaranteed income for life. You have lifetime income and you can support your favorite charity. So if you end up passing away earlier than you might've expected, then those excess funds end up benefiting the charity. So uh, as you're looking at charitable gift annuities, uh, they usually have a payout rate. Now, keep in mind that the payout rate isn't the same as the income rate or the rate of return that you'd be earning. It's how much of your donation you'd be getting back on an annual basis. Uh, a lot of charities use the American Council on Gift Annuities or ACGA that, that they publicize uh, payout rates. And so a lot of people, a lot of charities use those rates to determine what they should pay out. It depends on your age and whether it's you're a single individual or you're doing a joint uh, gift annuity. But yeah, certainly it's a, a tool, a vehicle that you can consider using to have guaranteed income for life while still supporting your charity. Thank you, Benjamin. So just in kind of wrapping up here, I want to point out that there are some, as you think about giving and these different strategies, we talked about appreciated assets versus cash versus others. Uh, there's some additional rules just to be aware of, and that's some of the limits on deductions. So from the IRS's perspective, they don't see all of these gifts the same. They understand that if you're giving appreciated assets, you're not paying tax on that capital gain. Neither is the charity. And so they understand that that's more a more tax efficient way for you to give and they put some limits on it. And so just there's all of these limits are related to your adjusted gross income on your taxes and they want to limit what percent of your adjusted gross income you're able to give in a certain year. And there's four different limits. We're not going to go into all of them per se, but there's a 20% of adjusted gross income limit, a 30%, a 50%, and a 60%. If you give cash, that's the highest limit. And so you can give up to 60% of your adjusted gross income in cash every year. So if my tax adjusted gross income, my tax return is $200,000, I can give 120,000 per year in cash that would be deductible for me on my tax return. If I instead give long-term capital gain property, as we've talked about, that's more tax efficient, I can only give 30% uh, of a, my adjusted gross income. So instead of 120,000, the example that I gave, you'd be giving uh, 60,000. And so half of what you'd be able to give in cash. Most people don't give over 30% anyway. So uh, it's not often a limit, but in your planning, you just need to be aware of some of those limits and know that if you give more than the limit, it can carry forward on future taxes for up to five years. So it's not like you lose that ded deduction uh, if you didn't use it all, but you don't get to take it in that year and you have to carry it forward for future years. And then it would count, you know, again, toward the limit in the next year with that carry forward. So be aware of those limits as you plan with your advisor, with your accountant, uh, with your family on your charitable giving. 
That's great. Great reminder. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I think kind of as we're starting to wrap up, I think it's good to remember too that cash, as we kind of summarize everything we've talked about, cash is a great way to give if you don't have anything else to give. And so it's really the least efficient of the options on what to give because you're not removing any capital gains. You still get that income tax deduction potentially if you're itemizing deductions. And so cash can be a great option if you don't have appreciated assets, but if you've got appreciated assets, that usually makes more sense to give that way. Yeah. After a year like this last year, when financial markets were down in value, you may not have as many appreciated assets. And you, we should point out that you never want to give to charity uh, an asset that's gone down in value, that yeah. it's not an efficient thing to do. If it's gone down in value, it's better for you to sell it, take the loss. If you're going to give it, for example, it'd be better for you to sell it, take the tax loss that you get account against your income on your own tax return, and then give cash in that case. So if you're ranking, I guess the least efficient way to give would be a depreciated asset or something that's gone down in value. Cash would be better yeah. than that. That's um, a good point. So, so just, you know, as we've talked about some of the benefits, giving can bring meaning to people's lives. It does. I know it does to my life. We've seen it happen to, for clients that helping other people in need, supporting causes with time or money or other resources that you have is a way to enrich your life and make um, your life more fulfilling. And truly what we're trying to do at Blue Barn Wealth is to help our clients find fulfillment in their life to live a more intentional and meaningful life. And, you know, giving helps, as, as the quotes said that I read in the beginning, actually helps us be more prosperous. It's counterintuitive that giving money away helps you become more prosperous, but uh, that many studies have been done to show that that's the case, and not only at the country level, at uh, you know, the state level or the city level, but also at the individual and family level. So we want to help as many people as we can to be thoughtful about how they give to support causes that are important to them. We don't care who you give to or what cause is important to you. I mean, we care that it's important to you, but it's you decide what's important to you. And we just want to help support you to give to that in a way that brings meaning to you, your family, your children, grandchildren, and that allows you to do it in the most tax efficient way possible. So that you can either give more to charity because you're saving on taxes or so that you can keep you know, additional funds for yourself to reach your other goals and give to charity at the same time. So happy to help in any way that we can, you or others to give as effectively as you can to charity because we feel like it's such a powerful tool. So with that, Benjamin, anything you want to add before we end the show? Uh, yeah, I think just to remind them that we have resources. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us on bluebarnwealth.com. That's the best way. We've got some resources to help determine if you're looking for, well, I want to give, but I don't know where, I don't know what kind of at charity to support, or I don't know how to give most efficiently. That's what we love helping uh, clients figure out. And so if you've got questions, feel free to reach out. We'd, we'd love to help however we can. Yeah, we can help you find the right charity, uh, whether it's in the US or abroad. We can help you make sure that charity is doing what they say they're doing. Uh, we have a whole research team to help with that. So love to help you in that area. And uh, if you've liked the show today, uh, please subscribe and share this with your friends. Reach, reach out to us on Blue Barn Wealth, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Your Path to Real Wealth from Blue Barn Wealth. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends and click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and any guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Blue Barn Wealth. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for personalized investment advice. Because everyone's situation is unique, always seek the advice of a qualified financial professional with any questions you may have.